The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perry columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Aidan Platell. Aidan is Managing Director of the strongly named Auroc Minerals. It trades under the code AOU or Alpha Oscar Uniform and was last quoted at 8.5 cents for a market cap of about 16 million. Aidan likes to describe Auroc as an aggressive explorer that it likes to be putting holes in the ground rather than sitting on its hands like a lot of other juniors out there seem to do. And it can be said that ORIC is as active as could be hoped for after its pivot last year from South Australian focus on copper to high-grade nickel sulphides on the nickel and, and gold prolific Norseman to Waluna Greenstone Belt in Western Australia. Under a low-cost deal with ASX-listed Minotaur, which now has a Queensland focus, ORIC picked up the advanced Saints and Leinster Nickel Projects. Saints is 65 kilometres northwest of Kalgoorlie and sits about 7 kilometres east of the Goldfields Highway. The mined out Scotia Nickel Deposit, which was good for about 30,000 tonnes of contained nickel, is some 15 kilometres to the south. Not only does it have location, location, location going for it, Saints comes with a stock exchange compliant resource of 1 million tonnes grading 2% nickel, with 21,400 tonnes of contained metal. With nickel on the march recently to just under $15,000 a tonne US, and with treatment options aplenty in the region, it has development potential as it stands. But Auroc is out to grow the resource, just as it is up Leinster Way, where there is a non-compliant resource. The project is about 40 kilometres southeast of the town of Leinster, a place with a distinct nickel and gold flavour to it. There's plenty of news flow in coming weeks and months uh, with this one. So with that, I'm going to say hi to Aidan. G'day, Aidan, and thanks for your time today. Yeah, g'day, Barry. Thanks very much for having me. Good on you. Now, before we uh, take a look at the nickel projects, uh, Aidan, could, could you give us a rundown on your technical and professional background? And Harking back to my opening, uh, could I get you to talk a bit about why you place uh, importance on being a quote-unquote aggressive explorer? Uh, yeah, sure. Um I'm a geologist by background, uh, born and bred here in WA, um, but spent a lot of time overseas after my initial sort of five years around the gold fields and Kimberleys of Western Australia. Um, was lucky enough to be involved in the discovery of Santa Rita for Mirabella nickel. Um, so I certainly have a strong background in nickel, copper, sulphide mineralisation. Um, and like I said, pretty lucky to have been involved in discoveries. Um, so I guess after... Uh, 12 years in Brazil, it was time to come back home, um, did an MBA and, and really started focusing back on Australia and Australian-based projects. Um, I think the, the importance of being an aggressive explorer is really, as you said, you've got to have the rig turning to be, to be in it. There's lots of competition on the ASX, gold's up, um, nickel starting to come back up and looking good for the future. Um, I guess you're not going to find anything if you're not drilling is the bottom line. So we make a point of, of using the shareholders' money and investor money and, and really going for it to give them every chance of success. 
Mm, okay. Now, uh, just on nickel itself, you've obviously taken a view on the nickel price. Is that purely based on the EV thematic or are there other considerations important to you? No, I think nickel itself on the traditional markets, the stainless markets, looks good. Um, as, as I said, it's a bit of a bread and butter thing for me. I, I like nickel. I like uh, just those sort of deposits and, and the way nickel works. And we've certainly seen that in the early 2000s, how, how nickel can really grow. And I guess all through ASX history, it's the nickel sulphide discoveries that have really taken off and really put uh, companies on the map. And we've seen that again recently with the likes of Legend and Chalice. So I think um, we could see the writing on the wall. Certainly the EV thematic is is a big disruption to come. And I think that's really, really good for nickel in the long term. But uh, the short term focus for us is just the traditional markets. Um, and I think it has a bright future and we're, we're happy to be a part of it. Right. Now, I mentioned uh, the South Australian projects a bit earlier, but nickel sulphide is now the focus. Run us through last year's deal and what you've actually picked up with Saints and the Leinster projects. Yeah, so what really attracted us to Saints and Leinster, I guess, is like you said, the jurisdiction. Um, if you're looking for nickel sulphides, I think the Norseman Maluna Belt is certainly the place to be for Cambaldo-style deposits. Um, and I guess... You know, Saints is 7Ks off the highway. The Leinster project, as the name suggests, is right near Leinster. There's certainly plenty of processing uh, capacity in the region with uh, Mount Keith, uh, Leinster, Sinclair, Black Swan, Cambelda plants, just to name a few. Um, Saints itself has an existing high-grade resource, uh, one of the highest-grade resources on the ASX at the moment, um, and it also has an offtake agreement in place already with BHP. So... Certainly a fairly straightforward story in terms of um, an eventual development and then mining story. Um, but again, just as we look through all the data, we can see that it really had been underdone in terms of exploration and there was a lot of potential to really grow these resources. Um, and I guess the, the two projects really offer sort of a three stage. It has that resource and it, we can grow that resource incrementally. Um, but we could see that both at Saints and Leicester, that main feeder channel, which all of these Cambodia-style deposits seem to have, um, has has never been really been found. So that really gives us a chance to uh, grow the both the grade and the resource tons pretty quickly when once we get onto that channel. And we've really focused on that recently. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have the brownfields, such as like our Valdez target up at Leinster, which really has had no historical exploration and really seems to have the right characteristics to host a potential major nickel sulphide deposit. So I guess with that that sort of three-pronged attack was really what we were looking for. It was, it was a good, um, relatively cheap deal for us. Um, so we went for it. Yeah. The, um, just so everybody's on board with what you're actually looking for, at Saints you've got the 21,400 uh, tonnes of contained metal, but... What, you think that's just uh, on the edge of the channel system or uh, how? Did, what's the thinking around that? So uh, all of that existing resource is what we call hanging wall mineralisation. Um, if you check out our website and our recent presentations, you'll see a schematic cross-section. Um, I guess that explains it the best, but basically you can think of these lava channels or lava flows a bit like you could think of a river um, and occasionally... During the winter, there's extra water and it floods its banks. Um, and so you do end up with these high-grade uh, nickel sulphide mineralisation on, on the edges and, and up, up top from subsequent flows. Mm -hmm. um, but the main 
channel, if you like, is where there's a constant flow of lava. So it's had a, a long time for all the nickel sulfides to settle down to the bottom, a bit like the silt and sand does in, in a main river. Um, so at the base of this channel, once you can uh, vector in on it, that's exactly where you're going to find, you know, the thickest and the highest grade nickel sulfide deposit. So whilst the existing resource, the hanging wall mineralisation is very much a standalone resource and we can certainly mine that. Um, and as you mentioned, with nickel at 15,000 plus, that it certainly looks attractive as it is. Um, the main game for us at the moment is to really vector in on this feeder channel and we, we can, you know, aim at doubling the resource quite quickly once we can find this thing. Okay. So uh, since, uh, what, middle of last year, roughly, you've had the project. So what have you been, how have you been vectoring in to find this channel? So I guess we took a step back. As soon as we acquired the project uh, late August, we jumped straight into a diamond program at Saints. And that was really uh, twofold. We really wanted to confirm the resource that we had. Uh, we didn't twin any holes, but we did do some infill, particularly at St. Patrick's. Um, and as we announced last year, we, we managed to get some very high-grade uh, nickel sulfide intersections. Um, there was also some existing downhole EM plates um, that sort of were hanging off the existing resources that hadn't really been tested. So we tested a couple of those and, again, um, had a couple of good intersections. Um, and after that, we really took a step back and took it right back to basics. We had Pete Michelli uh, from Mincor fame doing some consulting work with our geological team. And I guess for six months nearly, we really just stepped, stepped back, went through all of the historical data, um, did some air core lines, none of which is really sexy for the market, but it was very much necessary to really get a good understanding of the geological setting and to really uh, define, I guess, where we might have this feeder channel. Um, so from that, we've, we've identified six or seven new channels that hadn't really been previously identified, in addition to the three channels that where the existing resource um, is located. Um, and we're just systematically working our way through those, those new channels uh, some more advanced than others, so they're drill ready and we've been drilling those with RC and then diamond programs more recently. Um, and then the other channels probably need a bit more work, so some more air core or some more geophysics such as uh, EM to really develop up so that they come from that second tier and they're drill ready. So it's really a case of just having that pipeline of targets and systematically testing them. Right, you mentioned Pete there before with Mincor's Cassini discovery, one of the best sulphide uh, discoveries in recent times uh, transformed the outlook for them. Um, is he on board as a consultant, is he? Or? Uh, he has been until very recently. He's mm. uh, just taken some roles with um, Poseidon and Constellation Resources. Man, uh, man in demand, fair enough. He is a man in demand, yeah. <laughs> um, so he's probably a bit conflicted to be staying working with us. But having said that, uh, he's a very, very good geologist and... Mm. Um, he certainly helped us out and put us on the right track. Mm. And uh, in the work he did with you guys, was he uh, was he saying or was he confident that everything he had seen was pointing to the potential presence of a, a channel system deposit? Uh, very much so. And I think that's where we really kind of draw the analogy to Mincor and we're kind of at that stage both in, in terms of share price and even contained resources that they were maybe... 18 months ago, two years ago. Mm. Um, so, as you mentioned, with the discovery of the Cassini deposit, it really they really took off. And that was, I guess, if you like, Pete's baby. 
Um, and you can really draw the analogies to that and it's that old go slow to go fast uh, mentality. So that's where we really stepped back and made sure we had the geology and the stratigraphy right. Um, and I guess he brought a lot of 15 years of experience of looking for these things. So we were really able to, you know, jump the gun a little bit in that respect and, and not make the same mistakes as we might have um, and, and really advance our exploration. And I guess the key thing there is these Camp Bowder style deposits, you know, the stats show that nearly all of the nine deposits have this feeder channel eventually discovered, if not at the, at the start. So I think that's where we, we, we are. And Pete really was confident that it, that it is there somewhere and it's just really a case of finding it. Mm. Uh, I think everyone's aware of uh, the, you know, the back of the envelope valuations people use in the gold sector. Is it similar in the nickel business? Uh, is there a, a rough, you know, uh, uh, calculation one can do based on uh, resources, uh, you know, per tonne, market cap, that sort of stuff? Well, there is. I think in that sense we're very much undervalued at the moment when mm. we say to people, you know, we've got, a good 300 million US um, of in-ground value in our current resource at Saints, people go, hang on a minute, you're mm. 50 million odd market cap. So there is and there isn't. Obviously, um, uh, nickel, it depends on your development um, possibilities, I guess, and again, your processing, but that's where we really are ahead of the curve. We're, our current resource is only 40 metres uh, from surface. It's into fresh primary sulphides. So really it's looking like a simple box cut and, and away you go into mining and then a toll treatment at one of the existing plants. So we haven't done any metallurgical tests, but just looking at the core and the assay results, there doesn't seem to be any nasties. Um, so it really does on paper shape up to be a, quite a simple uh, development and then uh, possible mining scenario. So I think in that sense, we're very much undervalued. Mm -hmm. um, and I think increasing our current resource incrementally is certainly worth worthwhile but again like i said you know if we can get onto that phenotype channel and and maybe double it to around that fifty thousand ton of nickel contained um, i think that's really what we're trying to do mm. uh, you mentioned earlier there's uh, an agreement with uh, bhp for treatment if uh, is that binding or is it just there in the background at the moment uh that's in the background at the moment so it was it's one of those those agreements that are linked to the actual mining lease and, and never ends. Um, but we have spoken to BHP, BHP briefly at the nickel conference and um, they're willing to discuss and, and, and maybe upgrade that, that agreement in the future. Right. So what's happening on the ground there at the moment, Saints? Uh, so at Saints, we've just finished up a diamond program, which we obviously then did downhole EM on, on all four holes. Um, so those results are due very soon and will form the basis of the next diamond program for the targeting. Mm -hmm. um, we're just about to kick off a an RC program up at Valdez at the Leinster Project. Um, we've had some very encouraging air core results there where we've got some very thick, relatively high grade for the weather profile, high grade nickel intersections, and they're lining up with some mag highs and again with an EM anomaly. Um, and that's all within the ultramafic package that hosts um, Waterloo for Saracen, Saracen's uh, Waterloo Nickel Mine. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty encouraging. So we're starting RC there next week. Um, the rig will then go to the Firefly Prospect, which is on one of the new tenements we recently acquired from Jindalee. Um, again, has some pretty encouraging air core from uh, previous workers that was never followed up. So we'll, we'll go there. 
uh, and then take the RC rig back down to Saints and drill the T1 and the T4 channels, which again uh, are in the pipeline, ready to be tested for possible feeder channels. Um, so, so plenty on, I guess, for the rest of the year. And amongst all that, we'll be doing some air core and some geophysics on the sort of secondary level targets to bring them up to the pipeline. Yeah. And how's the company uh, funded for this push? Uh, so we recently, well, a month ago now, I guess, two months ago, we recently completed a race. Um, so we're, we're sitting at about $3 million cash, so we're in a pretty good position to, to push forward and, and, and keep our aggressive exploration strategy moving forward. Mm. And the market seems pretty receptive to uh, positive exploration results if, uh, if you need to accelerate the program at some point and raise some more funds. That's exactly right. It's, um, it's, I think we're starting to see a good uplift in our share price at the moment. Um, we recently had Minotaur shares come out of escrow um, and some big on-market trading yesterday basically took out over 20 million shares. So all of their shares are now uh, completely gone. So we, without that escrow hanging over our heads, I think you know the, the path is clear to really move our share price forward. Yeah, so I saw that go through. Is, were they uh, widely dispersed? Uh, I can't tell you until. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure. That was it was all on market trading, so we'll find out movement reports in a few days' time. Mm. Just on that, the company's got quite a, a tight capital base. Um, are there any big shareholders on on the register at currently? Uh, there is. It's very been very tight, and that's actually been a good promotional point for us. Is the company itself is over eight years old now, but it's still only 190 odd million shares. Um, but pretty much all just high net worths. Um, there's no real institutions yet in in the stock, so it's 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 a good point. And and I think just that recent trading and and uh, the support, I guess, that sophisticated investors are showing. I think people are really starting to to see where where our minerals can go from here. Right. Now I uh, mentioned earlier the South Australian projects. Uh, so where are they at now? And uh... Do you intend returning to them at some point? I uh, certainly do. I think the base metal uh, prices that just recently are starting to come up again. We've very much been focused on our nickel uh, and certainly intend to keep that exploration pipeline moving forward on the nickel. But um, the Arden project in particular certainly has a very strong zinc target to, that's ready to be drilled. So I think in the near future we'll, we will do that drilling program. Um, and we are also talking to a couple of major companies that are, uh, have shown interest in, in all three of our projects in South Australia, so that there might be a possible JV or, or some way of, of recognising value for, for those projects in the near future. Mm, you know, I guess one could almost argue that those projects alone, uh, in a rising copper market, and particularly with a lot of exploration going on in South Australia at the moment and some good results being uh, coming out that uh, you, you could just about value the market on those, uh, the company's market value on those alone, let alone what you've added with the nickel leg now. Yeah, that's true. That's, true. that's, that's, that's right. And I think um, that's why we will continue to maintain our Australian base metals strategy and not just the, the nickel copper strategy, but certainly base metals as a whole and, and very much focus on the nickel under that umbrella. But still be open to the to the zinc and the copper prices. Mm. Now, I don't want to make you too busy, but obviously Norseman to Willuna Greenstone Belt, uh, fantastic for gold as well. Uh, any thought of uh, uh, looking at some gold opportunities on your ground, if there's some? 
I certainly think so. Um, as you said, it's very much in, in gold country and two of the tenements we've recently picked up off Jindalee are on that uh, Agnew uh, lawless strike as well. So certainly big gold potential. We don't want it to distract from our from our nickel focus, but we'd be remiss not to investigate the gold potential. Even at Saints, we're, we've had some historic drilling with some interesting gold hits. So I think as part of our strategy, some air core slash RC programs just to test out the gold potential would have to be included. Um, and, you know, if it pays off, then away we go as well. But if not, then we keep, keep our base metals focus. Mm. Now, I don't know what it is, but I always, always like to know the background to the names. Uh, Saints, is that is that named by a religious man or is it a St Kilda football uh, fan? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we inherited the name. We're yeah. looking for Mother Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay, just to uh, wrap it up, what uh, in the coming weeks, months, what should investors be looking out for in terms of news flow? Um, like I said, I think we've just got we've got certainly got some results coming very soon from our diamond and, and downhole EM. But uh, there's four or five drilling programs that will just be end on end, if not in parallel. So, so we're really trying to keep that that aggressive exploration, and and that's going to obviously have an, a, an accompanying news flow. So, I think. As, as the nickel price continues to rise, and I think, as I said, now we don't have escrow or anything hanging over the share price, I think with that constant use flow and, and people will always see that we're, you know, moving things forward and, and the possibility of being that one hole away from maybe a feeder channel, I, I think we're in a very good position. Okay, there we go, folks. Uh, interesting story. Lots of news flow to come from this one. Um, and as Aidan just mentioned there, it only takes one hole and it's off to the races. So good luck with all that, Aidan, and thanks for your time today. Awesome. Thank you very much, Barry.